Welcome to Evolve Nutrition Radio, where you learn how to ditch the diet mentality and deconstruct your health and fitness goals into habits you can do for the rest of your life. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in and I want to welcome you all to another episode of Evolve Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Alex McMahon, and this is episode 37, How to Engineer a Leaner and Healthier Food Environment. So the reality is a lot of our dietary decisions that we make throughout the day are something that are subconscious. Most of those decisions are actually going to be shaped by our food environment, which makes it something really important to address whenever we have any kind of fat loss goal or if we just plain want to get healthier. Because the food environment that we have all around us is something that we can shape and engineer to either work with our goals or to work against them. And so what we're going to be discussing in today's podcast are the top five areas that I see a lot of people struggling, specific zones that they have that are close to their house that either can sabotage their goals or help them achieve them. And I'm going to be giving you the actionable steps that you can take to, in a lot of regards, re-engineer these food environments to be something that works for you. So the very first thing that we need to think about is why does your food environment even matter? Well, we all make over 200 food-related decisions on a day-to-day basis, and my question to you is how many of those do you remember making? I know for myself, I remember making very, very few of them, and that's because our food environment actually dictates our dietary decisions without us even realizing it. We get so focused on food and diets that we ignore the environments that control our behaviors and habits with our food. So by choosing to change your food environment, you can actually put eating to be healthier and leaner on cruise control in a lot of regards. This is all about taking small, actionable steps in the places that you eat the most frequently and that can cause you to sabotage your fat loss results. So you can engineer your food environments to either make you leaner and healthier and work for your goals, or there's something that can make you unhealthier, sicker, and overturn gaining a significant amount of weight. So what separates the people who are more successful versus those who are not successful when it comes to changing their food environment, their nutrition, and their diet is something that I call a leaner mindset. Typically, those who have a leaner mindset are going to be comfortable and okay with making one to two smaller changes that they can maintain and build off of. People who I see that have a lifelong history of failing with diets are people who try to be perfect for 30 days but fall off the wagon and revert back to all their old habits on day 31. The people who are okay going a little bit slower and chipping away at their goals week after week, month after month, are the people who end up way further along after 8 to 12 months of working on it than the people who are constantly hitting the restart button every 31 days. This is a really important factor to address because 75% of all dieters give up within the first month, which actually isn't all that surprising. What's way more surprising to me is the other statistic, which is that 39% of people don't even make it out of the first week. 39% of people don't even make it out of the first week of dieting. So when people are thinking about their food, they're thinking about their food environment, we need to realize that you buy and eat 80% of your food within five miles of your house. So this is known as your food radius. Your food radius includes five different zones that are really important to address. These are going to be your home, restaurants, supermarkets, your office and workplace, and then the lunchroom in your workplace. We're going to be addressing these zones one by one, and I'm going to be giving you the actionable steps that you can start incorporating today to re-engineer these environments and make them a leaner, healthier environment to help you achieve your goals instead of holding you back and sabotaging you from them. So zone number one, and probably one of the most important ones, is your home. So have you ever considered how much the size of your plates, bowls, glasses, and eating utensils and serving spoons is making you eat? 
If they're much larger than they need to be, then you'll be eating much larger portions and you normalize that. Over time, you'll unconsciously eat way more than you need on a day-to-day basis just based on that one small thing of having larger plates, bowls, utensils, and glasses. If your food is the same color as your plate, you'll actually end up eating 18% more at that meal as well. So these are all small things that are subconscious that we don't necessarily think a ton about. However, they can end up having a pretty significant impact. So within your home, we're going to be breaking it down into three specific areas that we're going to be addressing to make your home a leaner place to live. Place number one is going to be the kitchen. So what we're going to concentrate on the kitchen is your countertops. People who kept chips on their countertops statistically were going to weigh eight pounds more. And women who kept breakfast cereal visible in their kitchen weighed an average of 21 pounds more than their neighbors who didn't. So the easy fix for this is to take all the hyperpalatable snack foods off the countertop and replace it with a fruit bowl. Right then and there, if you walk in the house, it's been a long day, you're stressed, you're hungry, your only option is to grab a, is a few pieces of fruit. Those are going to be lower in calories, they're going to be higher in fiber, they're going to have a lot more micronutrients, and they're going to help tide you over until your next meal without completely blowing your calories for the day. However, having a kitchen filled with junk food is almost just as bad as having an entirely empty kitchen. And this is because if all you ever really want is a snack and you have an empty kitchen, you're forced to order a full meal and you're going to be far more likely to overeat. So your solution to this is to keep easy, high-protein foods in the kitchen even if you're somebody who doesn't want to cook all the time. So these could be things like cottage cheese, something like berries and cottage cheese or berries and Greek yogurt hard-boiled eggs, high-quality deli meats. These are all going to be easy, kind of grab-and-go, high-protein snacks. They're going to keep you fuller for longer. They're going to be way more satiating, and they're going to have a higher thermic effect of food. So another thing that we need to address when it comes to your kitchen is actually making it less lounge-friendly. So when we remove furniture, when we take away chairs from the kitchen island, when we take out things like iPads and TVs and we place them elsewhere, it makes the kitchen overall less lounge-friendly. And the less time that people are tempted to spend in the kitchen, the less time people are going to be tempted to sit in the kitchen and kind of mindlessly overeat as well. So when you remove all the comfy seating and distractions from the kitchen, it becomes less lounge friendly and people want to spend less time in their mindlessly eating. The next place to address in your home is going to be the fridge. So make your tempting foods harder to see and harder to get at. You want to put them in the back of the fridge or the freezer or even in some kind of um, Tupperware container that isn't see-through, or even down in the produce drawer is a good option. You want to put them in containers that you can't see through, like we just kind of mentioned, or some kind of aluminum foil if you want to get hardcore with it. You want to make the healthier choices the first thing that you see when you open your fridge. So you want them to be up, up front, and at eye level, and in see-through containers. These would be things like your cut-up veggies, your high-protein foods, any kind of pre-cooked foods that you have, water, anything like that are all going to be great. So your lean kitchen checklist is what we're going to be calling it, is going to be to keep fruit on the countertop, to take chairs and distractions like TVs, computers, and iPads and move them to another room, actually move your food pantry to another room so that you're less tempted to sit in there and mindlessly eat, use smaller plates, bowls, utensils, and taller, skinnier glasses, always keep high-protein snacks on hand, put your healthier foods at eye level in the fridge, things like protein, cut-up fruits and veggies, And you want to keep your indulgences further away and make them harder to get access to and harder to see. So the next area we're going to be looking at is your dining table. If you unconsciously think that larger portions of food are normal, that's what you're going to continue to eat. And when it comes to setting the dining room table, the key here is to think small. Smaller plates, smaller bowls, smaller serving spoons, smaller glasses. The reality is the same portion of food 
on a larger and smaller plate is always going to look much smaller on a larger plate and is always going to look much larger on a smaller plate. Part of the reason for this is in our brain, we gauge a lot of what portion of food we're eating based off of how much room it takes up on the plate. So if you're using a smaller plate and it takes up more room, you and your brain are actually going to perceive that as a larger amount of food than if it was on a larger plate, even though it's the exact same portion. Another thing to consider is food proximity. So if you have all the leftover foods that you just served from a larger dish right there on the table, people's propensity to go back and get seconds and thirds, even though they're not hungry, especially when it's a tasty, hyperpalatable food, is going to be really, really increased because the food is so easily accessible to that person in the current moment. Now, on the flip side, to make that a little less of a convenient habit for somebody to do, if you serve yourself from the kitchen and you serve all your food off the countertop and then you take your plate with you into the dining room and sit down and eat there, the reality is that six to 10 feet that the person has to get up and walk back to the kitchen to be able to get seconds is usually enough for somebody to ask themselves the question as to whether they're actually hungry or whether they're mindlessly eating. Using that food proximity to your advantage is very helpful because if you have a really tasty food directly in front of you, you're going to end up eating a lot more of that food. However, another big thing to consider is that if you end up wanting to use that to your advantage, you can actually um, encourage you and other people to eat more of a specific food like vegetables, salads, or proteins by placing them directly on the dining table so that people do have more of a tendency to eat them. The next thing to think about is how to snack-proof your house. So many times, it's not actually meals, but it's the unconscious snacks that go unaccounted for that can end up sabotaging your fat loss goals. Everybody has their own eating habits that they enjoy and are somewhat unhealthy. But telling someone not to do it or just do it once a week isn't an effective strategy. Never has been, never will be. When it comes to snack-proofing your habits, you need to figure out how to make them less enjoyable and less convenient. So for a specific client of mine that I had, she had a tendency to stop and get fast food because it was quick and it was easy, and she used it to relieve stress by bringing it home with her. So our solution to making this a less convenient and less enjoyable snack was I told her she could eat as much of that fast food as she wanted. However, she had to sit in the parking lot in her car and eat that fast food. Now, this was not based on any kind of shame. It wasn't based on any kind of guilt. It was based on removing the things that made that fast food as enjoyable and convenient for her. So we made it less convenient because she was no longer able to rush home with it real quick when she would you know, be short on time. She had to stop and eat it right there. And then also, she didn't get to bring it back in home and have those uh, positive associations with the fast food in her home. So right then and there, she went from having fast food at least five times a week down to usually one time a week. Week. And then from there, over the course of like three to four months, I don't think she had any fast food and we haven't really had to worry about it since then. So um, another way that you can use this is for drinks as well. So what you can do is if there's somebody who is drinking a lot of diet soda or if there's somebody who's drinking a really calorie dense drink, you say you can have as many of those as you would like. But the agreement that you're going to make with yourself is that you can only keep one can in the fridge at a time. And usually this is going to be enough to deter people from drinking too much of it because let's be honest, if something's tasty, you don't want to drink it when it's lukewarm. So by doing that, it kind of makes it less enjoyable and less convenient for the person. So next up, we are going to be addressing zone two, which is restaurants. You can't let restaurants be your obstacle. Um, you have way more control and way more options at restaurants than you think, but you have to ask and you have to advocate for yourself. Far too often, people are scared to ask for what they need at restaurants, and as a result, they end up making way, way worse decisions. So as a consumer, the restaurant needs your business, and they don't want you going to the place next door. 
So if you ask for something, you do it politely and you say, hey, I'm going to be making a special request and I recognize that this is going to cost me extra money up front. I've never had a waiter or chef or anybody be absolutely less than polite when I say that. When I tell them that, hey, I recognize this is going to require more work on your part and I'm willing to pay for that, it totally smooths everything over. So if you need to make a special request, go ahead and steal that and use it and I guarantee things are going to go way smoother for you. So you can always find an option that's going to work for you at a restaurant. You don't need to continue finding an excuse. Far too often, people go out and use eating out as an excuse to be overly indulgent. There's just no good options is a common explanation I hear for people making really bad decisions when they're out. That logic is entirely broken, though. No good options doesn't justify picking the worst possible option that you can. So you can always do a little bit better. Is, is going out to, and dining out to eat going to be perfect? No, no, but that's not necessarily the point either. The point is to go out and enjoy your time with other people and eat some delicious food and have fun, but it doesn't mean you need to entirely blow out the floodgates. You can always make a little bit better decision when you're out eating. So just keep kind of keep your mind focused on what what can I make that's a little bit better decision instead of trying to be perfect because that's going to fall short. You're out dining at a restaurant. Your real focus should be on loved ones and people you're with and enjoying food and having fun, probably a little bit less on freaking out over food and macros and stuff like that. So a common thing that I like to use with a lot of my clients is called the rule of two. So you can order any small reasonable um, entree that you want, but you can only have two additional items. So this could be coffee and a dessert, or maybe appetizer and a drink, or side salad and a piece of pie. The reality is this helps people to not feel overly restricted, but it forces them to really kind of hold out for what they really want to eat instead of settling and getting one of everything on the menu. So it's an easy way of letting people to not feel overly restricted, but at the same time making them decide on what they really want while they're out at the restaurant. So another thing um, and something else that we really need to talk about that might actually be the most important thing in this whole entire podcast is that on a menu, there's going to be words that equal more and less calories. So what we're going to be covering next are high calorie and low calorie words that you're going to be finding on menus. And this is a great way to look for these words on a menu and to be able to kind of troubleshoot what kind of options you're going to be getting based on the amount of calories, the macros, based on what you'd like to be consuming. So some of the higher calorie words on a menu are going to be things like buttery, creamed, crispy, crunchy, smothered, Alfredo or white sauce, fried, deep fried, pan fried, scampi, loaded. I'm sure there's more out there, but those are the ones that I found. So lower calorie words are going to be things like seasoned, roasted, light, fat-free, reduced, marinated, fresh, or broiled. So if nothing else out of this podcast, that's probably worth the price of admission right there. Those Looking for those words and being able to navigate your menu options based on that could be a three to 500 calorie difference for most people. So take those, use them. Um, and then to close out the podcast, what we're going to have is the lean restaurant checklist. So at the end of each zone, I have a checklist that I'm giving you guys as a way to kind of navigate and make some small changes. So your lean restaurant checklist is to first and foremost, ask for what you need, but also be willing to pay for it. Uh, Follow the rule of two. So any small, reasonably sized entree along with two different items on the side. Um, Also, ask when, when your waiter comes around, ask them what are the two or three lighter entrees that get the most compliments or what's the best thing on the menu if a person wants a light dinner. These are typically going to be a little bit lower calorie options. These are going to be things that aren't quite as heavy and saucy and super fat rich, but still allow you to go out and enjoy yourself for dining with friends and family. 
beware of the higher and lower calorie words on menus. Um, and ask servers when they come by to actually hold the bread basket, but to bring more water, please. Part of this has to do with the fact that most people are actually very, very dehydrated, but they're misinterpreting that thirst for hunger. So by getting a lot more water in your system before the meal, it will allow you to actually eat a little bit less um, and actually satisfy what your body's asking for, which is water, probably not bread. So as always, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to Evolve Nutrition Radio. Thank you guys so much for all the kind words on social media. Um, anytime that anybody gives me a compliment on this podcast, I want you to know you have single-handedly literally made my day because um, sometimes I'm not quite sure what this podcast is, you know, what, what kind of message it's sending out to people or if it's actually helping anybody. And to anybody and everybody who ever comments or lets me know how much you enjoy this podcast, I just want to let you know um, how much it means to me and how much I really, really greatly appreciate that. So again, thank you a ton for listening. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you in episode 38 of Evolve Nutrition Radio. Thanks so much. Bye.